HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to Spill and Dish, a new podcast from the Specialty Food Association. Founded in 1952, SFA is the leading trade association and source of information about the $170 billion specialty food industry. We champion the food producers, retailers, and other buyers who make up the specialty food world. Each episode, we want to share the stories behind the products made and sold by our members who are helping shape the future of food. You can listen and discover the inspiration, recipe, craft, culture, ingredients, and production methods that help answer the question, what makes specialty food special? So today we're here with the team behind Spill and Dish. My name is Gretchen Van Esselsten, and I'm the Director of Education for the Specialty Food Association. Today I'm going to be both host and guest, along with my two co-hosts with the most, Megan Rooney and Julie Gallagher. We'll each have the chance to ask each other some questions today. So here's my first question, and it's about a fantasy day that revolves around specialty food. So Megan, if you could have your absolute favorite fantasy specialty food breakfast, what would it include? My fantasy specialty food breakfast would be something I eat pretty much every day. I'm really a creature of habit, so I would have a bowl of plain yogurt. And I'm really picky about the brand. It needs to be a very thick consistency. Um, And then I would add fresh berries, banana, and specialty granola. So I have a favorite brand that's made with great ingredients like organic ancient grains, superfood seeds, coconut sugar, and coconut oil. And this brand has so many delicious flavors, so I can change it up based on what I'm craving that day. Um, And I always top it off with natural almond or peanut butter. And my preference is a Northeast-based brand with just two ingredients, nuts and salt. That sounds amazing, Megan. I'm coming over to your house for breakfast uh, one (laughs) of these days. So Julie Gallagher, how about you? So if you were having a specialty food lunch and you could have your fantasy lunch, what would you have? Well, I think I'm going to talk a little bit about what I would be craving today in particular. So I live in Rutherford, New Jersey, which is about eight miles outside of New York City. 
And there's a fantastic little specialty shop that imports pasta and sauce and cookies from Italy. And they source their fresh bread closer to home from bakeries in Brooklyn. And they just make the most delicious sandwiches. So my personal favorite is a chicken cutlet sandwich. And it has bruschetta and fresh mozzarella. Um, and it's just so delicious. So that's what I choose. And on the side, I'd have a green salad, like the kind I had in Bulgaria. And it has only a few simple ingredients, but one of them is the freshest feta you've ever tasted. Oh my God. Bulgarian feta is one of my absolute favorite things. So I'm going to now ask myself, I guess I get dinner and that sounds pretty good. Um, I think if I were going to have a specialty food dinner, I would, instead of cooking, I would go shopping and I would make a charcuterie board and maybe even just for myself, but especially if I were having people over and I would include all the things that usually go on a good charcuterie board. So some meats, I would have some jamon iberico, maybe some duck rillettes, some kind of hard sausage, maybe a salami. Um, of course, I would have some cheese. I would have some goat cheese, um, Stilton, I think, and some aged Gouda. Those are two of my favorite cheeses. And another fun thing is crackers. I am obsessed with crackers. So this would be a great opportunity to go buy some crispy ones, some crumbly ones, some with seeds, some sort of smooth ones. And... Um, some dried fruit, some nuts, maybe some Marcona almonds, and some kind of sweet accompaniment, like a, maybe like a gingery jam and a fig cake. So you get really, oh, some uh, mustard you would need and some cornichons. So you get all the different flavors and textures, and it's just like a craft project as well as a meal and uh, so much fun. So I think that that would be my answer. Wow, my stomach's growling over here, Gretchen. Yeah, same. This is one of the main problems with this job. Uh, and we'll get into that a little more later about the fun and the uh, what it's like to work here. So Megan, do you have a question for me and Julie? I do. Taste and memory are so connected. So I'm curious what your fondest food memory is. Um, and before you guys start, I'll just mention mine. So my fondest food memory is enjoying this incredible Italian meal at Francis Ford Coppola's Blanca New Lodge in Belize's Mountain Pine Ridge Forest Reserve. Um, and I love pasta and wine. So enjoying these things in the middle of the jungle was just so surreal. So Julie, what about you? What's your fondest food memory? Um, so this one involves my daughter, Bridget. She's nine years old now, but at the time she was very little and just learning to talk. And she and I made homemade chocolate chip cookies together. And so we took them out of the oven. They cooled a bit and she took a bite out of a warm chocolate chip cookie. And she expressed her approval with her limited vocabulary by saying, oh, mama, oh, mama. And it's it's just a really special memory and something I'll never forget. <laughs> That's amazing, Julie. I think I have the same reaction every time I eat a cookie, actually, <laughs> to this day. Absolutely. What about you, Gretchen? If you ever opened a, a cookie brand, Julie, you know, as your next career, I think, oh, mama, chocolate chip cookies would be an amazing 
amazing name. Genius. Uh, I was thinking about this one um, about food memories and one that came to me. So I grew up eating, you know, good, but kind of basic food. I grew up in Connecticut. My family was, you know, Dutch and German and, and we ate kind of plain, but good food. And I was a vegetarian until uh, when I was in high school. And so I mostly ate like cheese and cake, like just those were my main food groups. <laughs> I didn't know much about interesting vegetarian foods. And when I moved to New York City to go to college, um, someone took me to uh, Mamoun's Falafel in Greenwich Village. And that was the first time I ever had falafel. And I couldn't believe that it was vegetarian. I said, oh, this has to be meat. It's so savory. It's so complex and uh, just chewy and delicious. And they said, no, no, it's chickpeas. And the tahini sauce and just like the crispness and the heartiness of it, it just kind of opened my eyes to what vegetarian food could be. So I um, ate it many, many times since then. <laughs> That's great. I'm wondering um, where you ladies like to shop for specialty foods. I know that I like to shop at Aldi, which actually, you know, you might not think of specialty when you're thinking of Aldi, but they have high quality meats and a lot of specialty items, actually. And I'm just a fan of its efficiency. I know where everything can be found. They have a great gluten-free selection. Um, so I get many of my basics there. And then for some other fresh groceries, I usually had to Stu Leonard's or Wegmans. Um, even though I have to drive a little farther to get to these stores, especially for the holidays, they're just such great places to shop. Um, Stu Leonard's in particular, they have their fun animatronic displays, which the kids love. And right when you walk into the store, you just get that smell of the fresh produce and the freshly baked breads. And it's just so delicious. And another plus when shopping there is if you spend enough money, you can get free ice cream. And I don't know if you know this, but Stu Leonard started out as a dairy and they still have their own dairy operation. And the soft serve ice cream is just so rich and tasty. So it's great. Oh Megan. my God. It's not my turn. Sorry, Julie. It's not my turn, but I just have to say, Stu Leonard's, I, um, one of, I lived in, uh, Connecticut near one and that was my regular supermarket. And oh, wow. I, I adore it, but it would really be like, you're just popping in for two things and the broccoli is singing to you from the shelves. <laughs> like people are handing you samples and you're going through the maze of it. And it's, it is such an experience to go to Stu Leonard's, but I, do yeah, love there's it. so many impulse purchases that I make when I go there. I really have to limit my trips. Um, but what about you, Megan? Where do you like to shop? Um, so before I mention where I like to shop, I would love to have the privilege of shopping at Stu Leonard's. I grew up shopping there as well. Um, and actually, I grew up in New York and we would drive into Connecticut to go to Stu Leonard's pretty much every week. Um, so I have some really great memories there with my family and also with friends. Um, but now I live in Brooklyn, and so I'm really lucky that my neighborhood has lots of tiny specialty stores that are really fun to browse for ideas um, and to find out about new products. But most of the time, I shop for specialty food at my local Whole Foods or Union Market. And I love finding out about new brands through Instagram and other podcasts. 
And many times I end up ordering um, directly from the e-com sites if I can't find their products in stores. Well, I, um, I'm with you on the small stores in Brooklyn, Megan. I was uh, smart enough and lucky enough to uh, marry into specialty food royalty. Um, my husband's family owns uh, two amazing stores in Brooklyn called Sahadi's. And so I am so lucky to have them near me, Middle Eastern grocery stores with all kinds of specialty foods. Um, so I definitely shop there. But as you said, with e-commerce, I am really fiercely loyal to so many small brands that I can sometimes only get online. One of the things that happens to you when you work at SFA is that you will find a brand and then, oh man, you can't not have it. You have to have it on your shelf. So I have been known to order, you know, cases of my favorite, all kinds of products just so that I am sure to always have them in the house. So e-com plus shopping local and small. Right, that's my jam. Love that. So I'm wondering what you've each learned about the specialty food industry that surprised you since you've been working here. And I'll start off. Um, I'm the newbie here. So I've been working with SFA for two years. And I've learned that the love and care that goes into everything our makers and buyers and really just everyone that works across the industry do fuels this um, industry. And I'm always just so impressed by not only the passion that people have for their brands, but the willingness that they have to help others that are just starting out, asking really for nothing in return. Um, just an example is our basics teachers. Um, it's a program that we hold for newer um, members or people that are newer to the specialty food industry. And our basics teachers are some of the most helpful and talented people that I've met. And their hearts are just so big. Um, they're always sharing, you know, their contact information and just they're totally fine with people following up after sessions or anytime they have questions. And I mean, I can't say that I'd ever willingly give my contact information out to hundreds of people. So I think that that's really admirable. Um, and yeah, again, the heart and passion that they have is just really remarkable. How about you, Julie? Well, I'm feeling like you stole my answer because I would just <laughs> say um, how tenacious and bootstrapping some of our members are. They have such a passion, like you said, for what they do, and they just pour so much love into their products. And many also have that philanthropic component that you mentioned, and they're just making the world a better place through these products that they really believe in. It's just so great to work here and to learn their stories. And I'm just so eager to bring so many more of those stories uh, to our listeners through these podcasts. Yeah, they're super inspiring. How about you, Gretchen? Um, so great answers, both of you. Um, I definitely think how hard people work in this industry, and you guys touched on that. Also, really how interconnected people are in the industry and the contacts that people make. Um, just last night, we had uh, one of our share groups, which is where members can get together and talk to one another. And just in an hour, it was amazing to me that we had someone who deals with ocean freight, someone who had just done their first uh, try into TikTok, someone who was having troubles with packaging. And 
you know, in an hour, people got through and really helped each other find um, resources to help solve their problems. So that's one thing I love about it, just the interconnectedness. And also, yeah, I could go on and on, but the idea that to get a product to market, you really need to work with, you know, brokers, distributors, retailers, um, all the different parts of the supply chain, even the supply chain itself right now, so many different components to get your product from here to there, so many essential partnerships that sort of it takes to help a product succeed. So that um, I think is the thing that surprised me most. I think I thought, oh, you cook up your grandmother's um, spaghetti sauce recipe and put it in a jar and walk over to Whole Foods and they say, great, we'll take 10,000, you know, and it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But the way it does work is pretty cool. Definitely. I was part of that share group as well. And it was just so great. It was small in size, but everybody was, like you said, so willing to help each other out. Um, so I'm wondering, ladies, what your favorite food city is. Mine is Paris. Just the meats, the cheeses, the pastries are just so rich and delicious. And when I went there, I was freshly out of college and I was on a budget. So I will admit that I had some fast food and even the fast food eating experience there was elevated. It was just so delicious. Um, Gretchen, what's your favorite food city? Well, you know, I have to say I've been so many different places and eaten so, so much great food. And I thought, Oh, I could say Austin. I could say Santa Fe. You know, I used to work for a magazine that was all about spicy food, and and I had had so much great barbecue. I've been a chili judge, and I've done all all kinds of travel. But I have to say, it's my hometown. It's New York City, and, and particularly the borough of Brooklyn. We just have the best of everything: the best pizza, the best bagels, and pierogi, and hummus, and and also we have great shopping and restaurants. And we have so many great makers here. We do so much specialty food production here in Brooklyn. Um, our farmers markets with so many great upstate and New Jersey farmers kind of can't be beat. And just like the integrity and grit of the, um, you know, people producing food here. I have to say I'm, I'm a hometown girl. What up, How about you, Megan? I love that answer. Brooklyn's a great food city. Um, my favorite food city would have to be Amsterdam. Um, I really live for stroke waffle, bitter ballin, panacokin, gouda. I love it all. And I just think it's amazing to dine outdoors by the canals with a nice beer, wine, that ambiance just can't be beat. Um, and I feel really lucky that my husband's family roots have exposed me to Holland's culinary wonders. Ah, uh, so bitter ballin, one of my absolute favorite foods and and you can only you could find them here in New York but um few and far between so yeah all right well soon hopefully we'll be able to take another tour another trip out to the um the european shows so we are crossing our fingers that we'll be back doing that but speaking of shows we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about the fancy food show that's coming up so um let's go to break stay with us and come on back This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. 
HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. All right, so we're just get, we're getting ready to um, take on our final questions. So all of us are getting prepared to go to Las Vegas for our winter fancy food show. And it's actually the first time we've done the show in Vegas. So it's really pretty exciting. I am packing and thinking about um, what it's going to be like. So I thought it might be fun to sort of talk about a memory that you have of a fancy food show from be either behind the scenes or just a great story you have from working or being at the show. And I think I'd like to go last, if you don't mind. So Julie, what you got? Um, let's see. It's, it's so great to be so close to the show now with it just being less than two weeks away because a lot of the work that I do towards the show, um, gets done in advance. So by the time I get to the show, I get to cover the educational sessions and write them up for the newsletter. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. And of course, seeing my colleagues, many of whom I haven't seen in two years since we've all Mm. been working remotely. So I'm just really excited for the show. Um, But something I always enjoy is um, towards the end of the show, usually on the last day of the show, I get to go on the show floor finally and taste all the delicious products, talk to our maker members who are exhibiting. And one of my fondest memories um, involved me being moved to tears by one of our exhibitors who is telling me about her products, which um, some of the proceeds from the sale of the products go to benefit homeless people. And she was telling me how she also volunteers with members of these communities. And um, she was just talking about the importance of physical touch and how she personally hugs the um the homeless people whom she comes in contact with. And I just thought that that was really moving. Um, And yeah, I I shed a tear or two. Um, But these members, their stories, they never cease to amaze me. And I'm just so looking forward to getting back out on that show floor and meeting more members and hearing their stories. How about you, Megan? That's a great story, Julie. Um, so it's hard to believe given we've been putting on so many virtual shows and weekly webinars, but I've only worked one fancy food show so far pre-pandemic. So one of my favorite moments was actually before I ever worked at SFA. 
And I visited this show for research purposes. Um, at the time, I was working for another trade show association, and I instantly fell in love with the fancy food show. The energy, the products, even just the layout of the show floor <laughs> really spoke to me. Um, and I just remember immediately going home and checking SFA's LinkedIn page every single day for job openings and turning on the alerts. Um, and it was just so wild how one day the perfect role opened up um, and it's allowed me to combine both my show experience and background in education. Um, so it's really just truly felt meant to be. And I'm so looking forward to attending our next show in Vegas. Megan, I just want to jump in. I know it's not my turn, but Megan, I had never heard that story before. And before I joined the Specialty Food Association, I used to actually attend the fancy food shows. And I too used to dream of working for the Specialty Food Association. Um, you know, just from visiting the shows, it just seemed like such an amazing industry to be a part of. So it's mm -hmm. funny that you and I have that similar experience. That's so funny, Julie. I did not know that. See, we're learning things about each other. <laughs> well, I am jumping on that bandwagon because I used to come to the Fancy Food Show as a journalist, and I used to think the same thing. I remember coming to one once and being like, I just tasted 23 salad dressings in a row, <laughs> and I'm so happy. You know, it just felt like it w this was going to be the career for me. And so we all wound up right where we should be, which I love. So let's see. So I have so many fancy food show memories, but I was thinking about this one. So we have, for those who might not know, a wonderful awards program called the Sophie Awards. And it is, you know, it's been called the Oscars of the food world. It really is. If you win a Sophie, you know, your product is really something special. And it's a great thing to be able to promote to retailers if you, if you get a Sophie. So one thing that we do at the shows is that all the press who come to the show, all of the journalists get to come and taste all of the Sophie winning products all at once. And so we just create this sort of magical room where really when you think about the absolute best in every category is right there on a plate for you to taste. And I remember we it got all set up and the press hadn't come in yet. And I was kind of there by myself. And I felt like just like a kid in a candy factory. It just felt like a dream, like the ideal form of every possible food product was sitting right there. And uh, then the press came in and they, you could just see them beam. Like it just, you know, and swoon just to, to taste all these amazing products and to get them to meet the makers too, which um, is just fantastic. So me alone with the Sophie winning products, they were lucky that there was any left. I did not taste any until anyone came in, I promise. <laughs> That's great. Well, this has been so much fun, you guys. And I hope that everyone out there has gotten to know us a little bit. And you'll be hearing from us in the coming weeks and, and months as we get back to our regular pro programming of interviewing so many of the makers who make up our membership and really talking about what makes Specialty Foods special. So Megan and Julie, any parting words? I'm just looking forward to the show and I can't wait to see you both in person. It's been, it's been a long time. Yeah. Likewise. I can't wait to reconnect with both of you in person. And 
I'm really looking forward to all of the makers that we'll be speaking to at the show. Um, we'll be recording some future podcasts for you guys uh, while there. So that's really exciting as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about this show at specialtyfood.com and at heritageradionetwork.org. And remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Come back often to get to know the people who are shaping the future of food. Special thanks to my co-hosts, Julie Gallagher and Megan Rooney, and the Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. This is Spill and Dish, a Specialty Food Association podcast.